Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Baltic Midweek Fix. Good to be with you, Pastor Toby Chalk Knox. I'm the water boy. As you guys know, we're going to be in Rapid City next week. Rapid City. We um, had a uh, uh, coordination issue with Larry Elder, so Larry Elder's not going to be able to make it uh, next week. He, uh, walking his dog was more it was, important. It was a he, show, wasn't he was it? walking his dog. It was, it was yeah. a show we had with Larry gay. Elder. And it, it was, was probably gay. me. It was um, but, re- <laughs> but regardless, we actually got some really cool things planned oh. um, uh, for the show. Uh, Thursday night in Rapid City, so okay, ain't gonna, ain't gonna, we ain't gonna lose anything. We're, we're coming. What we do? So sign up. We got a whole day uh, boot camp on God and government on the seventh. My dates are all crazy right now. On the seventh, and then that night, comedian John Branion, and then we're gonna go into a live show with Uncle Gary and some other special guests. Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be Christy Nome? Christy Nome? Christy. Uh, 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 hey, I, could you let everybody know that John Branion's jokes are not going to be allowed? Um, to hurt them so they don't have to walk up on stage and slap and, and slap, slap and slap John. <laughs> I just want to let I, I should walk up on stage just just slap no, slap them. No, that is don't no. tell anybody. I will not be like Hollywood. I'm coming after you. Okay, in the moment you won't be able to sit there and can keep going. Oh, it's going that's down. Great. Oh man, that's great. Hey, this show is brought to you by the Armored Republic. The mission of Armored Republic is to honor Christ. By equipping free men yeah, it is. with tools of liberty necessary to preserve God-given rights. In the Armored Republic, there's no king but Christ. They're free craftsmen, and body armor is a tool of liberty. They create mm. tools of liberty. Free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny. Wherever it appears, mm. God has given us the tools of liberty needed to defend the rights he bestowed to us. Armored Republic is honored to offer you those tools. So go visit them and bless those Bless us. That's right. Amen. At AR, the numbers 500-500-armor.com. Hey, we're really grateful to have with us on the show uh, today uh, Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris Butler is pastor at Chicago Embassy Church, and okay. he and his wife, Aziza, did I say that right, um, have yes. spent their entire 14-year marriage residing, leading, and building relationships throughout First district, just uh, right okay. near, somewhere near Chicago, right? Southside, Southside Chicago, Southside of Chicago, yeah. and yeah, uh, to the suburbs. And Chris, Pastor Chris is now running for U.S. Congress. You don't want to do that <laughs> because he believes that every person from every walk of life deserves an active, engaged advocate. Pastor Chris, mm. thanks for joining us on Cross Politics. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you all so much for having me. Absolutely. So, um, basically, we just want to get down to brass tacks. Um, how could someone who is pro-life be running as a Democrat? Unicorn. Listen, so one of the things that I like to share with folks is that I became involved in sort of democratic uh, politics and local community organizing and was oriented as a, uh, a you know, pro-lifer before I knew that that was like a thing before I knew that it was a problem um, because I learned my values inside of the community. I passed in the church where I grew up um, the values that I have. I, I learned from, from my grandmother and from my mother, uh, from my older cousin who got me into community work. And it's, it, it was always all about uh, making sure that we do things uh, in community, especially as believers uh, that's going to help, the community prosper that's going to help people flourish. Uh, and so 
I was I was in both of these walks of life before I knew that they were in conflict with one another. Uh, and I, I got into this race because I know that there are a lot of people uh, who are just like me, uh, who are in the city of Chicago and the surrounding suburbs, who uh, participate in, in democratic politics and want to vote democratic uh, and don't really have the options uh, that they that they want to see in, in our campaigns. And so uh, this is an opportunity for me to to reclaim space, uh, to live my values and to uh, work hard for the people of the first congressional district. How does how does being pro I'm, I'm guessing. So just so you know, it's for me, um, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm Bible. I want to be as biblical as I possibly can be with everything that I do. And so when I see a position that lines up mm-hmm. towards the direction that I want to go biblically, I'm like, OK, I can support that. And it seems that the Democratic platform has been everything but Christian in a lot of ways and, and particularly as it relates to pro-life. So I don't even investigate anybody Democrat if we can't get off on like the issue of life. Right. <laughs> like, like, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. If we can't figure that one out. How do you survive because I'm guessing you catch smoke from the right, but you got to catch a lot of smoke from the left because you're on a platform that doesn't support the That's foundations right. yeah. of your Christian worldview at all. So you certainly have seen um, the party moving further and further away from uh, those values. And when you see that, you got to ask the question for those of us who have participated uh, in, in politics. You got to ask the question, uh, are you going to uh, walk away, uh, or are you going to try to reclaim uh, space? And, and for me personally, I look at the uh, the people in my own personal lineage uh, and then the broader uh, sort of historical lineage who have really invested uh, literal blood and sweat and tears and time uh, and in, into making this, uh, the building up this part. Uh, and and I don't think that it should easily be seated uh, and, and folks are able to push us out of the party uh, because of the values that we hold. I think that we have to uh, work to reclaim the space. Chris, it seems like you're kind of pissing into a forest fire a little bit on this. Um, is part of the problem <laughs> really that, what, that's that's a, a, what does that even mean? It, you can't really fight a forest fire with a little little trickle I'm you know, okay that's what, that's okay I mean. sorry sorry it's Pastor a, Chris. I don't we even just know had to it's a fine that for you <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a texas saying you know oh, texas <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got it follows you okay well that says a lot about you chris um <laughs> now uh is part of what you're trying to accomplish is you want to run and you want to win for congress and you can't win as a republican so what I'm trying to accomplish is to uh, is to, to bring this conversation. I think two things. One, that there are a lot of people uh, in the first congressional district, a place where I, I do ministry, I do organizing, I live, my kids are in programs. We talk to all types of people all over this district. And I think that there are a lot of people in this district who are hungry uh, for uh political candidates who will not ask them to choose between deeply held values, but actually uh, embody all of their deeply, deeply held values. Um, but I got into this race when the primary was difficult, you know, nearly mm. impossible to win. When I started running uh, for Congress, I was running against a 30 year incumbent. Uh, and it became very interesting in January when that incumbent decided not to seek reelection. Uh, but it, it wasn't about not being able to win as a Republican, because when I started this, folks would have said that I wouldn't be able to win as a Democrat. Right. Uh, so it, it's really about 
reclaiming this space, giving people uh, an option that I think people are hungry for. I think we had a shot against the incumbent. Uh, I think we have even a better shot here uh, because what we're doing here is is more than just running for um, for Congress and, and running for office. It's really trying to reshape our political discourse. It is um, mm. it is a false assumption that the vast majority uh, of people, especially in districts like the first congressional district, uh, that is, you know, largely uh, African-American, have a lot of older African-American voters. You got a lot of uh, working class Catholic voters down in the suburban part of the district. Uh, and, and, and folks will want you to think that the people who want to vote Democratic uh, are on board with every sort of uh, mm-hmm. tenant of, of, of sort of culturally progressive doctrine. And I don't think that's true. I think that folks want to have candidates that don't ask them to uh, to choose between uh, deeply held values, but can actually pursue um, their, their sort of holistic uh, uh, view and, and policy. Uh, so I think that it's, it's more of movement building uh, than just, uh, you know, going up against, uh, you know, uh, to, for, for lack of a better phrase, pisses into a forest fire. Uh, I think that, I think that we're stuck in your mind. The troops to come. <laughs> I so, think we're organizing the troops well, to come down, and maybe we do start with a bunch of folks with buckets. But eventually, I think we can do something about the fire. Pastor Chris, um, I I'm uh, like like Knox. I'm not really uh, Republican or Democrat, but I, you know, on the whole, I would say you know I've I've probably over the course of my life voted more Republican and Independent. I think there was one judge that it was a friend of mine one time that was Democrat that I voted for. So I voted for a Democrat one time, just Ooh. just for the record. And just, you're a pastor, and I'm a pastor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but I appreciate that. Uh, but my, I guess my question is is um, uh, what about the Democratic platform? makes you excited so i think that there's uh the idea of the platform which you know we can talk about platforming you all had uh justin gibney on the show he can tell you more about uh how hard it is sometimes to speak things even folks again who are participated in democratic politics to speak into that platform. Uh, but when you, when you look at what the Democratic Party uh, is supposed to be uh, about, uh, which is you know, a, a, a big tent party, number one, uh, a party that focuses on uh, the, the cause of sort of working class people, how policy is impacting working class people on a day-to-day basis. I think that is what the Democratic Party platform should be about. I think that's what the Democratic Party should be about. Uh, And to me, when I think about the Democratic Party, I don't just think about the platform. I think about the folks uh, in my community and communities all over the country who go out and knock on doors, who, who have meetings, who participate in, in organizations. Uh, and I think that it's important that the voices of those people uh, are heard in the platform and in the Congress uh, and, and inside the Democratic caucus. Do you think that that means, so I, I'm, yeah, I, I, and I appreciate, you know, I, I think, you know, I believe in representative government and the, and the ability for people to be represented and, and their voices to be heard. Frequently, when I hear that, uh, particularly on on the Democratic side, but sometimes it's true of Republicans too. What they mean is the government the government providing more programs, and and big one, government. And as a as a Christian, I I think a lot of things that the government is trying to do, they have no business doing, because 
you know, God gives that responsibility to fathers and mothers, or God gives that responsibility to churches and pastors and, and you know, s- community organizations. And in many respects, I, I want the government to stop doing things. Um, many? I would say almost. I, they only got two operations. I would operations. say 95%. I, I, was, I was trying to be nice. Okay. Um, All but, right. Uh, but, I mean, is, is that what you mean by saying you want to make sure that the working class people are heard, that, that – that the government would stop interfering with their lives? Or are you saying we need to get more government programs to help these people? So I, I will say this. I think that in, in some cases, uh, you know, that's certainly the need. Um, as Christians, I think that there is very important that we root our values, our policy making, our decision making, every single thing that we do in the gospel uh, and in the scripture. Amen. Uh, I, I, I don't think that the scripture necessarily is, is, is ever going to tell us what the marginal tax rate should be. I don't think that the scripture is no higher than nine, no higher than 9%. First <laughs> Samuel chapter eight. So I, I, I would, I would suggest that the, um, that, that the scriptures don't, there are a lot of things that, that the scriptures don't give us dictates on. Uh, and, and, and we can even discuss, you know, application of, on, on the tax rates. Uh, I think that we have to be foundational, but I do, I do think that there are faithful ways um, to, to pursue the, the goals of, of believers uh, in, in the government. Uh, and we won't always agree on that. I think that, that we should agree on, rooting our conversation in the scripture, rooting our conversation right, yeah. in the gospel, right. uh, which, which is why there are certain things that are really, really clear. Like when we talk about uh, life, like it's, it's very difficult for me uh, when somebody tries to rationalize uh, or explain uh, how from the scripture it is right to, uh, to terminate innocent human life. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's really tough. Uh, but then there are all these places where we we may have uh, places of, of disagreement on how to apply uh, the scripture, how to uh, achieve the goals. Uh, I, I think that this is what uh, good, healthy, democratic conversation is going to be, um, which is why I think that we cannot have the silencing of certain voices uh, in any of the spaces in our society. I think that uh, we have to be able to speak into these spaces, which is why I started uh, this campaign almost a year ago now, uh, is because in in the party and in the spaces where I have most participated, uh, more and more we see this idea that somebody who, you know, maybe I do think we need to have, uh, you know, a program or two coming out of the government, but I'm unable to, to, to even speak into the party that wants to see that because I also think that we need to protect the life of, of unborn children. And, and that's what I think that where the conflict uh, really comes in is when we, when we say that we cannot have the conversation. No, I, I absolutely want to have the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, so th- there's one thing I want to mark off. I want to mark off. I love what you said there. I want to mark off what makes us Christians is that we're justified by Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and Savior, and he has washed and cleansed us. Mm -hmm. And then we want to take the word that he has given us to figure out how to operate within relationship to each other. So made right with God, and then how do we operate where I'm honoring God, now I'm loving my neighbor, right? That's the the law, right? Honor God, love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. So then 
with that said, I, I, I want to move maybe into how is it looking like that we love our neighbor? Because I don't think we disagree on justification, right? You're Slimmers of God, mm-hmm. pastor, which is really weird to me why you're not Kojic. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not Stone. That's a different yeah. interview. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. We'll, we'll come back with, with, with uh, uh, the, the pastor who founded the church that I pastor. We'll have that. Yeah, we'll have that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, they're cousins. They're like brothers and sisters. There's no really big difference yeah. between the you two. You know, I went to a Christian school that was, a, it was Assemblies of God. When I was a kid, they were falling out when they got. They, they were, they oh, were, close. they were, they were falling out. And I, and I'm, and I'm a, pa- I'm a pastor, I'm a Presbyterian pastor's boy who's like, what, what, are, they, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, so, we definitely have to have that whole conversation. <laughs> but I want to, I want to talk about those some of the more of the social policies right now. It's the whole transgender argument is really huge, and this kind of is helping me figure out how you are applying scripture to our our politics. We have mm-hmm. a Penn State men swimmer who is swimming with girls, and everybody's trying to figure out how to how to engage a situation, and mainly because nobody knows how to identify what a man or a woman is. And so, <laughs> your situation, yeah. when you look at that as a Christian, how are you judging that, and and, and what kind of policies are you making in that type of situation? So, look, I, I will in a as a Christian. As a Christian who is deeply committed to civic pluralism, I think that when you look at, you know, the observable uh, creation, uh, you know, we have to follow, in this case, like the scripture, we have to follow science. Everything suggests to us that that a, a man, biological male, competing against biological women uh, is going to be out of balance. I don't know, like, I certainly find that as a, as a biblical worldview, uh, but I, I don't really think that there is a lot of, there, there, I don't think there are many good arguments, uh, certainly not from the scripture, but even in, in, the, in the pluralistic civic space, uh, I just don't think that there are many arguments to uh, say that that is just and fair. Uh, and, and again, I think that, you know, I know that this is something that will cause a lot of people to say, oh, well, you know, well, then this guy can't be a Democrat. Uh, this guy can't uh, represent the first congressional district uh, in the United States Congress. Uh, but, but really what I am betting on uh, and and what I think is true, what I think I know about this first congressional district and a lot of places around the country uh, is that people understand this. Uh, It's not confusing to everyday people. And the same uh, the same motivation uh, that makes me want to make sure that a, a working class everyday person can work their job and earn a wage that allows them to provide uh, a life for their children. Uh, that same motivation is what makes me want to come into the, the civic space and say, folks, there are some things that everyday people just understand. We, we bring it out into these, uh, you know, sort of larger theoretical conversations that folks, you know, in in big universities and and maybe even some theological spaces have the luxury to, to sit around and, and, and debate. But when you, when you look at this in the life of a working class family, you're talking about a a girl uh, who may miss out on an athletic scholarship, right? Uh, This is, this is what I think about when I, when I look at this, I'm talking about how is this going to impact the lives 
of working families, everyday people mm-hmm. who the stuff that we're talking about, it doesn't take a, even a 20 minute conversation to get to the root of it. People right. understand this and they want leaders who will step up and, and say that we don't have the luxury when we're trying to center families and our policy and in our politics, we just don't have the luxury of, of, of going down those uh, types of roads when we can be trying to have conversations to figure out how to make sure that we're improving life for people uh, every single day. So would that preclude you from voting for Kentonji Brown Jackson because she doesn't even know what a woman is? So my not being in the Senate would pre- prevent me from uh, <laughs> voting from for Kentonji Brown. I like that. Uh, if, if I were if I were in the Senate. Uh, and and the president of, of my party had the privilege of of, of choosing a a a democratic nominee. Uh, that president would would hear me uh, loudly speaking my values into that moment. Um, I, I try to stay uh, steer clear of putting myself in a and uh, too much hypothetical situation. But we. What I do know is that everyday people get this, and the United States Congress, uh, for you know, certainly the House of Representatives where I'm running, uh, and the Congress as a whole, for the most part, um, you know, should be trying to do things to make life better and easier for working people every day, uh, and that's that's what I'm focused on right now. Um, and that's that's sort of you know where my mind is. I want to I want to circle back to something you said earlier that um, I found interesting. Committed, I think you said to a, a civic, uh, pluralistic society, and um and, and my question would be, um, I, there's a version of that that I agree with, but oftentimes when that's said, something is meant that I don't agree with, and 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 so mm-hmm. as Christians, we're committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ over everything he's king we, we say yeah. that jesus is lord yeah and you know we say if he's if he's not lord of all he's not lord at all you know that that sort of sentiment mm-hmm. and so as a christian i actually believe that when jesus is lord over everything that's when the maximum number of human beings are act, free are actually free yeah. and, and flourish, and flourish. Yeah. even even non-christian human beings will flourish when jesus yeah. is lord and and for that reason i i want to argue that the public square needs to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And then on, and only then under his Lordship, can there be any kind of semblance of a real or true pluralism? Otherwise, if you're trying to pretend like neutrality, like, you know, you pretend to go into Congress and like sort of pretend that Jesus is not Lord, even though you have kind of private spiritual values. I think first of all, it's hypocritical. And second of all, it's a lie. Because if Jesus is not Lord, then someone else is Lord. So could you unpack, what do you mean by that civic pluralism as a Christian pastor? Yeah, so I, I think that the understanding, my understanding of civic pluralism uh, has more to do with the ability of people who disagree with us on what you just said to say that they disagree. Sure. And I think that, that we should not have, we should not have laws or or custom uh or or culture that says that somebody is absolutely barred from speaking what they think to be true uh into the the civic space i'm i'm completely fine with that i think that we have stronger ideas and when you put 
strong ideas up against weak ideas, strong ideas win. What we also cannot have, though, is what we have seen more and more, which is what I call uh, religious exclusion, right, which says that if you do believe that Jesus is Lord, if you do believe that the, the principles that we have in the scripture uh, are are, are also you know wonderful ideas around which to organize our society, not to make us feel good, you know, as 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 Christians, but because it's going to help people flourish, right? Um, if if you believe that, more and more we're saying that well, you can't participate in the conversation, right. and that religious exclusion uh, is 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 also against. Uh, the type of civic pluralism uh, that I believe in. So when I, when I talk about civic pluralism, I'm saying that I don't think that only people who think the way that I think should be allowed to participate in civic discourse. I also think that people who do think the way that I think should not be barred from participating uh, in civic discourse. So essentially what you just defined was the First Amendment in, in one form or another. Um, I, but I think Toby's greater, so, greater concern is, is if the the public sphere, the public square doesn't recognize Jesus as Lord, then you're going to get a different God dictating everything, which is what we have right now, which is why my Christian conservative beliefs are not welcomed in the public square anymore. Exactly it's why what he was just saying too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah which you're, you're acknowledging that, but I think you were articulating more of a first amendment, uh, which I agree with, but you, you have to recognize that there's a bigger God of the system, a bit more, more foundational God of the system or, or you get what we got. Or, and maybe another way of asking it, uh, um, uh, Pastor Chris, is just that you know there's always um, there's always rules of discourse where something is considered sort of just completely out of bounds. And right now, mm -hmm. as you as you well know, uh, Christian discourse is now frequently being considered out of bounds. If if I say that the ideal normal family is one man married to one woman and them having children together. You're a hater. Like basically like I'm, you know, I'm considered a bigot. That's hate speech. <laughs> right. So, um, but that, but, um, but there are some people who really believe that it is hate speech, even though I think they're crazy. Um, but on the other hand, you got, you know, people who want to do like a, you know, a drag queen story hour for little kids in, in libraries and I think that that's outrageous. Like, I, like I, I don't think that you know pedophiles should be grooming our children. And um, and so, like, by what standard do you determine what is acceptable discourse in public society and what is unacceptable discourse? So I think that we all agree that that standard uh, is um, is is the scripture, right? Uh, I think that the First Amendment uh, is so is 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 so profound because all you have to do is let the better idea into the conversation. A lot of what we see in uh, in a lot of cultural spaces is not the result of mass number of people being engaging with these ideas and coming down on the wrong side. Uh, it is the idea being expelled from the uh, from the space. And so I think that that, you know, the First Amendment is a is a great defender of what we uh, are talking about. And I think that if we you know, if if, if we seem like our message and our goal 
is to replace a a democratic form of government with a with a sort of theocratic form of government. Uh, I think that's going to be viewed in 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 wrong ways, and that is not my goal or my intent. I think that if we simply stop excluding better ideas uh, from the public discourse, uh, more people will be. Uh, uh, drawn to the better idea. I mean, this is this is the basis of the campaign uh, that I'm running. Is I, I think that when people see uh, an option that makes sense to them, accords with their values, uh, and moves in that direction, that people will will begin to say uh, a, a few things. One maybe more folks, you know, who, who think the way that I do will run for office uh, in and around this town. Um, two, uh, more folks will, uh, will recognize that a lot of what has been pushed to them uh, in a lot of the discourse, this sort of bifurcated notion of life where you either have to be, um, you know, completely uh, sold out to this sort of like anti-Christian, uh, anti-tradition, anti-biblical, anti-everything. Right. Uh, and in order to to even like just participate in in, in normal life, uh, people begin to see that that is not necessarily the case that is not a fait accompli uh, that we can reclaim space uh, and that's what uh, this movement is about um, it is it is it is really you know my politics and my uh, sort of approach like the way I came to politics and organizing all that stuff is is very deeply connected to my faith I learned this stuff uh, like I said listening uh, to the stories that my grandmother told listen to the sermons uh, that my pastor preached, watching uh, my cousin go out and do this work. So my work is deeply rooted in my faith. Um, but I even have folks supporting this campaign who are of different faiths, uh, people who are of no faith, because a lot of the things that we're talking about here today is that just makes sense to, to everyday working people. And it's, it's not that they want to come out and, and have big fights over these <laughs> these issues. Um, people just want to be able to live their lives, say what they think at work without being fired. Yeah. Um, you know, just be able to live uh, their normal life, raise their family, work their jobs, which I think are, uh, you know, these things are too hard in our society right now uh, to, to, to work a job, to uh, afford a, a house for your family. Um, and those are the things that when I'm talking to, to people in the first congressional district that they're really concerned about, um, you know, they, they just don't want um, these types of issues to start impeding uh, yeah. their lives and the things that they're trying to do uh, for their families and their communities. Uh, yeah. That, I'm glad I was going to ask you, what were some of the things that were in your, in your district that were con concerns for your people you know i feel like chris we just kind of got to the beginning of the conversation that where we're like yeah. okay I, I think i know where you're at now i really would like to know the details because what those things are that hold up people from being able to have uh affordable housing or the ability to be able to provide for their families when i look around i see a lot of and this is republican or democrat a lot of us appealing to the government for those things and so I want someone who's going to say, leave the people alone, allow them to live, 
you know, in the way that God made them so that they can create human flourishing. So get out of the way of that. And so I, there, I would love to be able to talk to you more about that maybe sometime in the future. Also, it's really interesting. I would love to be able to maybe hit you back another time and be like, hey, man, these are your people. These are your Democrats right here talking like this. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know what you're going to say to them. And then you can say, hey, these are your people. And I'll be like, no, nah, I don't know them Republicans. You know, so. <laughs> but I love so the, the website is electchrisbutler.com. You should go there. I was looking on the church website to see like what you guys believe and everything like that, but it wasn't wasn't up there. Just want you to know, you should probably put that up there so people can find it. Uh, I have been admonished. <laughs> oh, we rebuked that spirit. <laughs> next, next time you go there, we, we will have that right. You'll find the sixteen fundamental truths. Okay, there we go. All right, all right. Hey, you're welcome to come back on. I'd love to have you back on and talk some more because I feel like we're just getting to it. So so, but, Stay in touch, Chris. Uh, we'll talk more next time. Appreciate you, man. Hey, we'd love to do it. Thank you all. Yeah, if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next, until Sunday. Yeah. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. So, where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today.